All right, this might be a semi-controversial topic. I don't mean to get flamed or anything. What's your opinion on, I guess, these like anime waifus being in like high school? Is that sus? It makes me feel bad the older I get, but that's where anime takes place most of the time. So I don't know. Like, I think if you don't think about it, it's fine. But then when you read, like, read the character bios and you're like, oh, no, why are they so, why is this character bio say they're so young? What's wrong with me? Hey, guys, welcome back to the Weeboo Pod. I know we took a week break, but now we're back. And this week's episode... We have something fun that we want to talk about. I finally knocked off one of the anime on my list, but we'll get to that in a bit. As always, this is Pat. I have Chris here. It's going to be a fun week. We've been talking a little bit about what we want to do going forward and, you know, maybe they'll change up this format a bit. But before that, Chris, how are you? Pretty good. A lot of anime watching since I'm currently unemployed. I've just, I've just been chilling. After you kind of put together that top 100 anime tier list, and I realized that there was a lot of good anime that I've never watched, I've kind of been going through that list. So obviously I talked about kind of watching One Piece on the side as I go, so I've still been doing that. But I've actually been watching Sha- Samurai Champloo. I've never watched it before. I don't know if you have watched it. I think you have it. But it's pretty good. I, I'm actually really enjoying it. It's like from back in the 2000s, so like I think... It aired in 2004 or so, but it's been pretty good. It moved over from Funimation to Crunchyroll, so now it's easier for me to watch it. So a lot of anime watching this week. Yeah, so speaking of OG anime, I guess Funimation's still kind of lagging on this transfer over to Crunchyroll. I think every week they add, you know, a few titles. I'm still waiting for a few. I like Crunchyroll overall. I think it's a much better UI. Anyways... Samurai Shampoo. Wow, 2004. That throws that throws it back. I know I've seen a few episodes way back in the day. I know I liked it. I, I can't remember anything, though. It's been way too long. <laughs> what it reminds me of is it's like Roni Kenshin and Boondocks coming into one show. <laughs> it's pretty, like, gangsta, but it takes place in, like, the Samurai era, and it's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm surprised more people, I guess, in the West don't talk about it, but it's actually really popular. So... It might just be one of those things that have just, you know, gone under the radar as time has passed. And since it's a quite old, then people aren't recognizing as much. But now it's on Crunchyroll, so people want to watch a show, then they should totally watch it. I also read all of Haikyuu this week, so that was a journey and a mission. How does the manga compare to the show? Are you leaning towards one better than the other? Is the art in the manga as high quality as the animation? Have you read it? I have not read Haikyuu, no. I was pretty impressed by the quality of the manga. It's really, it's really, really good in terms of the panels and how the story flows and how the action scene flow. I was kind of blown away when I read Jujutsu Kaisen, I think a couple of weeks ago or a few months ago. But it's kind of at that same level. Shonen Jump is just killing it apparently because I read Jujutsu Kaisen I read Haikyuu, and I read Spy Family, and all three of those are the best manga I've read out of all the manga I've been reading as of late. Yeah, the quality of the manga is just really, really good. I'm kind of glad that Haikyuu's done, and it didn't drag on for a really long time. There's just a clear-cut ending to the story, so I'm kind of looking forward to it being in anime format, but I don't know if they're going to be able to like adapt all of it, because there's a lot of story left. And there's already been like four seasons, three or four movies, and I don't know how much more they could kind of keep it going. The fan base for Haikyuu is pretty strong. I don't know if they can drag it on for, you know, five plus years, but the movies for Haikyuu, they could probably do some movies with Haikyuu. Yeah, because I mean, they already did it in the past where they took some of the major, I think, games or so and then put it into movies. So maybe that's what they do. But I don't know how long, like, it would take in order to finish the adaptation for the manga. And this kind of goes back to our conversation with, like, Demon Slayer. Taking almost, like, 10 years to finish, probably, because of just, like, the pacing of not being 
aired in consecutive seasons. So I, I, I don't know what the plan is for Haikyuu, but I hope I can see this through to the end on the anime. But if I don't, then the manga was such high quality that I'm not complaining all that much. How many chapters? I think there's 402. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. And where the anime ends is around 291, I think. So, or 290-ish. So there's still about 120 chapters or so, which makes me think there's like four seasons worth almost. Or like three seasons in a movie or around that size. So I don't know. That's a long time. And considering we haven't gotten an announcement for the next season anyways, it's like they do the next season in 2023, then when's the next one going to be? So long time out. Yeah. You know, one thing I've realized about sports anime, I mean, I've read a couple sports anime uh, or the sports manga, and I have a very hard time reading it on a week to week basis because I hate the cliffhangers in sports anime. It's it's even worse to me than an action or a shonen. And and the reason is because in the sports anime, right, you get the what, like, I think it was a Kuroko or you know, diamond, no ace, you get to like a quarter of an inning or maybe like three minutes of the game and then the chapter ends. And I'm like, this game is going to go for like 10 chapters, which is like 10 weeks. It's like two and a half months of one of one game. Yeah, in Haikyuu, I think each game basically takes like 20 to 30 chapters. So you don't really get that far with each chapter, which makes it pretty bad. In terms of like, if you were reading it, on a week-to-week basis binge reading it was very easy obviously because you could go through it all at once and then see the end of the game but if you had to wait it's basically one year or like a little over half a year in order to finish one game yeah it's 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 pretty crazy that it goes spans over such a long time like a real lifetime right because that's that's such a 30 chapters be like half a year almost yeah exactly so that's just a really long time to see one match but I guess that kind of goes with the anime too, though, because in Haikyuu, they basically show like one match per season and that's like 13 weeks too. So yeah, there's like a few like not as important matches and then they follow it up with, you know, the big one. And that's the one where like every set is basically an, an episode, right? Maybe not even the full set. Yeah, it's like half a set per episode. I don't know if we've ever really done a, a deep dive into Haikyuu on this podcast. But who's your favorite character? Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, I like a lot of them, to be honest with you. I like Mia, the Mia twins a lot just because it was kind of recent. I, I don't necessarily hate any of the characters. I think I like a lot of them. I like Bokuto a lot, too. I like Hinata and Kageyama. Obviously, their interactions are great. Everyone on Kadasuno is great. I don't know. I, I just don't hate anyone. But I like everyone kind of evenly. Do you have a favorite character? I have a couple favorite characters. Um, you know, out of the main, you know, the main team, Karasuno, I really like Nishinoya a lot. He just gives me like that nice chippy attitude. And he just seems like he's all around balanced type of guy. And I think uh, I liked his like story background where I think he had options to go to a bunch of high schools, but he chose Karasuno. So... I thought that was really interesting. You know, was it? It's like less of that super mentality, super team mentality vibe, and more of like I just want to do my own thing. Yeah, so I kind of like him a lot. Everyone likes Hinata and Kageyama, so those are pretty basic. You know who I also like a lot is the coach Ukai. Oh yeah, Ukai coach is cool. Yeah, he's a cool. He's a cool dude. I always wonder, like, wonder if we have real coaches like that in some of our sports team if they would do really well. Just more of like a very technical but also very people coach. The thing with Haikyuu, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit more, but the thing with Haikyuu is every single person in Haikyuu is almost a good person, which is never the case in sports. Like every coach is a good coach almost. And every player is not like you can hate them. Like they have pretty much good intentions. There isn't like one asshole that's out to get like all the players and like hurt them or anything like that too. But in sports, right, there's just a huge fluctuation or huge spectrum of like good versus bad and maybe that's the one thing that Haikyuu doesn't portray that all that well yeah I agree it's very well I I don't play volleyball I don't know if everyone's you know 
friendlier with each other. Like I'm sure it's competitive, but I don't know if I don't know how you would play dirty in volleyball, but I'm not a volleyball expert in any close way, so I don't really know much about it. But I mean, I can speak to baseball, basketball. You can probably speak to tennis. There are definitely ways you can play dirty. But I mean, like tennis, I think tennis and volleyball are pretty similar in that the ball is going back and forth and there's no necessarily like physical contact between the the two opposing teams. But in Prince of Tennis, there's the one guy, I don't remember his name, but he has black hair and it's like curly and he plays on the team that has like a yellow jersey. But basically he uses a ball to like hit people's joints or like bend it bend down in certain ways in order to get them injured intentionally to get him off the court i don't know if you remember that but yeah he calls his moves like um medieval like torture techniques or something yeah something ridiculous (laughs) like that and like there isn't a player like that in haikyuu it's more realistic though right haikyuu is it's not absurd in terms of you know what's happening maybe maybe sometimes there's some absurdities but like for a sports anime, it's closer to the real sport. Yeah, I yeah. I, I definitely think it in terms of the realisticness. I mean, obviously, the, some of the moves are exaggerated, right? Like Hinata is a over-exaggerated, supernatural, like, hops kind of player. There isn't really a mean person in Haikyuu, which is, like, a very interesting thing I, I caught on while I was kind of reading the manga. Everyone's just likable. Everyone's nice to each other. Everyone's got good sportsmanship. That's very rare in the real world of sports. Yeah, yeah. It's that is really, really rare. Um, that it's everyone's likable. And that's a good point. Like it's kind of entertaining when every character is just interesting in a way. Like you almost want to learn about every character's background. I don't think there's like even like filler episodes, even if there I don't think there's too many, but you know, when they focus on a different character. Like, um ne- is it Nekoyagi, the the rival team? Nekoma. Nekoma, yeah. Uh it's entertaining just to kind of get different perspectives. And I don't mind learning about those other characters. Yeah, that's the same with me. They they do a good job of explaining everyone's background and the reason for why they play a certain way too. So that's what Haikyuu, I think, excels at in terms of just like character development as a whole for every every team. Like every single person on any team basically has a shot of getting a story within the within the story. Yeah, I think in the uh, latest season, I mean, I was looking at some just highlights recently on YouTube and there was a guy on the Nationals team. I think his name was Sakusa or something like that. Yeah, he, he wears a mask. Yeah. Just made me think like this guy knew COVID was coming. <laughs> I was <laughs> this guy's smart. I was reading it. I totally forgot about Saksa because Saksa is I think like pretty minor as a character leading up to I think the, the most recent recent season. Yeah, I was like, wait, did Haikyuu happen or like Haikyuu get written during the pandemic or something? Because this guy's wearing a mask all the time. <laughs> Do you think anime in the future is going to have some references to, you know, the, the whole COVID pandemic, like masks and... Uh... I want to say no, but in J-dramas, they actually reference it a lot. So I'm watching like a J-drama about a boxing team, a high school boxing team right now. And essentially like the coach became the high school boxing team's coach because he lost his job when his restaurant went bankrupt during the pandemic and they like reference covid and all the struggles that he kind of went through in order to kind of get to this like coaching position so he used to be like a high school player opened up his own restaurant afterwards and then the restaurant went under during the pandemic then came back to teach again so yeah there's a lot of reference at least in terms of j dramas i feel like they won't do that in anime because there seems to be like a separation between you know reality and anime, right? People don't want the problems that they face in reality shown up in anime, and I think because of that discrepancy and separation, they're never gonna reference something that was as realistic as COVID. Right? Yeah, it's it would be interesting if there was an anime that did have some relation there. But I think you're right. Like especially dramas, they're real life people who to some extent probably are have to distance themselves and you know be safe especially when they were filming you know in the pandemic so it makes sense that it's like 
a focus in a lot of you know dramas or or actual tv shows or movies yeah yeah definitely i guess kind of pivoting though with season four of this podcast we've been kind of talking about like formats and what we wanted to do with with the new season considering we've been kind of going along with the the seasons of anime but did you want to kind of explain to the audience what we're thinking about doing with season four and how we're going to kind of change up the format of the the podcast yeah so i think lately you know we've been talking a lot about seasonal anime previous seasons and it's been good it's been fun i think it's great that i think every week we should still touch on it but i think we also want to focus more on specifics get more into the weeds and and go in depth reviews of certain just shows at once and so i think what we're thinking of going forward for this podcast and you know chris and i have been discussing for everyone listening is, you know, we're going to list out a few anime that, you know, are really high on our list and we're going to watch them kind of how we've watched some previous anime like Promise Neverland just for kicks. But really just watch an anime um, like Skate Infinity and, you know, do an in-depth review, give everyone our feedback, our thoughts. And, and that way for everyone listening who hasn't seen it and they want more than just a surface level, you know, kind of introduction to it, they can kind of hear it. Of course, there's going to be spoilers with certain anime, but I think the fun part here is that for those listening, if you guys want to join in, you know, listen to our in-depth review if you watch it as well. I think in that sense, there's going to be some more back and forth there. So we think that's what we want to do going forward. Of course, we're still going to touch on the recent season, the recent anime, what we're like, what we feel about what's going on. Um, But yeah, I think at a surface level, we wanted to get a little farther in, a little deeper in, talk more about specific shows. And so I think at the end of this podcast, I, I already have a show I have in mind that I want to watch. And, you know, you can, Chris, I don't know if you have one in your mind. We can probably put them out there and, you know, we'll watch them over the next couple weeks. And I think over the next, maybe not maybe not next week, but the week after, we'll do our first in-depth review of, of an anime, similar to what we did with Skate. Yeah, I was basically going to say the same exact thing that you just said. Essentially. In the end, I think some of our best episodes historically have been uh, episodes that we kind of center our conversation around a specific anime. So now we're going to kind of pick, both both of us are going to pick one anime for the month or for the next three or four weeks or whatever. And then we're both going to watch it at the same time. But that this also gives a chance for the audience. You know, after we announce it, you also get a month to watch the anime as well. And then... We'll talk about it at the end of the month, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, break it down and give a more in-depth review. So it's more of an interactive experience, I think, in the end. You know, everyone's going to have their different opinions. We've obviously been flamed for having negative or positive opinions about certain shows in the past, and we're not really afraid of kind of the flame. So we're just going to kind of speak our mind on the different anime that we're going to watch. And yeah, we just want to kind of have an open conversation at the end of it. We'll see. It. We'll post our podcast still on the different platforms on YouTube, etc. There's still co- places for commentary and feedback to be provided, and yeah, it's more interactive in a sense. I guess before we go into the our in depth review of this portion's episode, do you want to just give your your anime? I have I have one as well, like you said, in mind. So maybe that this is a good point for us to kind of give them what we're gonna watch for this current month. Yeah, so kind of like what you mentioned earlier, after I had thrown together some of the, you know, more popular top 100 anime, I was like, dang, I need, there's a lot of anime I need to catch up on and just watch. And one of them, you know, it's, I've known about for a while. I've heard positive reviews. It actually has a relatively high score, and I just never watched it. I don't know if you've watched it. If you have, then this one's easy for you, but I plan to watch Death Parade. Oh, okay. What was your reasoning for picking Death Parade? You know, it's relatively high. I think it was in the close to around 50 on Mal, and there's a big following for Death Parade. And I remember seeing it a while back, like an intro to it, and I really liked kind of that artwork. And it's from Bone. I think the Bones are Madhouse. One of the two. I think it's maybe it's Madhouse, but it just seemed like a very interesting, you know, like topic about like heaven hell i like i like watching and learning kind of all about that type of stuff even if it's a fiction just seems entertaining yeah i i've watched death parade when it came out but i haven't watched in a long time so this is actually a good chance for me to rewatch it and 
kind of talk about the show because at the time it came out it was really really big the opening was kind of considered i think the best opening of the year when it came out um the storyline was really interesting it's a very really, really deep story from what i remember honestly i don't remember any of the specifics so <laughs> i'll probably provide a better analysis at the end, end of this month but yeah that's a that's a pretty interesting and good pick it's also 12 episodes so it's easy for us to watch yeah, we'll be able to knock that one out in maybe a couple days. At least at the rate I watch anime these days. Yeah. What about you? I picked one that's a little bit more under the radar. The Okay, so the problem with the show is that there's three seasons, but I'm going to just offer up the first season of the anime in this, I guess, watch for the month because it's just going to be too long to watch all three seasons anyways, so... I've watched this anime before. I know you haven't watched this anime, but I think it's one of those anime that fans might have not watched. It's not very popular, but it's very highly scored at the end. And the anime that I'm picking is uh, Chihaya Furu, which is a anime centered around karuta, which is a Japanese traditional sport. All right, I remember us talking about this one, and it was either that or March Comes with the Lion, and I started March Comes with the Lion, and I might get some flames for this, but I couldn't finish it. Yeah, I mean, so I was picking between two two things, so I was like, uh, do I do I say Kotaro Lives Alone? Because it's easy for everyone to watch because it's on Netflix. But I was like, ah, oh, that's too mainstream, and... People have probably watched it by now if they wanted to watch it. And the other thing was you didn't like March and it's really similar to March. But Chihaya Fudu is like the complete opposite of March in terms of the vibe. It's very positive, very upbeat, a good amount of romance and and uh, comedy that's involved in the story as well. But it's still centered around like a Japanese sport or a Japanese game that's not very attractive i think to the western audience so i I was like i'm gonna pick one that's that provides like incentive to for the listeners or the the viewers or anyone else to watch something that they have never tried watching before interesting so when you say traditional japanese game is karata something that's still played today frequently or is it more has it been more of like a historical traditional game it's not played frequently i think I guess in my past experience, we always played it when it was New Year's and the family was around because it's kind of like playing a card game like with your family. So you basically put a bunch of different cards on, on the ground and then when they announce the card, you have to like reach for it as fast as possible and then get it. And whoever touches it first gets the card. Whoever has the most cards at the end uh, wins. So it's a really easy game for like anyone in the family to play whether it be young, old, or like if you're just brand new to the game, it's there's no rules, right? It's just they say the card and then you reach for it, you touch it, then you you win. So I don't necessarily think like a lot of people play it as a sport or like a competitive sport, but I'm sure a lot of people still play it within their families. Interesting. I've, been, I've always been very, very bad at those types of fast reaction type <laughs> of games. That sounds pretty interesting. I do like all types of games in terms of anime they always i like how anime can portray a game and just over exaggerate it until it's super entertaining i think you'll appreciate it because there's a lot of different elements to it i think it is a bit heavier in the slice of life category in a sense but there's elements of sports there's elements of romance comedy and slice of life and the art is pretty good i think it's a little outdated now but at the same time it's very colorful aesthetically pleasing so it's i think something that's easy to watch well it's perfect it's slice of life spring that's the way i see it right now because i can tell you this spring is not not great in the action shonen category yeah we're just on a roll slice of life anime because the anime that we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcast is also kind of like a slice of life romance show so (laughs) all right well i'll let you give the introduction to it i know you really like this show so why don't you tell us what we're going to be reviewing yeah, so what we're going to talk about was probably the biggest show that we left off in our winter 2022 roundup, which was My Dress Up Darling. It was a really popular show, I think, in winter 2022. I feel like it was almost 
as popular as Demon Slayer and AOT or even more popular than Demon Slayer or AOT. It was definitely a show that was in the top three or the big three in terms of popularity for winter 2022, which was a bit surprising because coming into winter 2022, we all knew that Demon Slayer and AOT were going to attract a lot of the attention, but this show just kind of came out of left field, got the attention of a huge population of the anime community, but it kind of did it in an unorthodox way. The main character of the show, Marin Kitagawa, or the main female protagonist, the main female lead, was basically the most appealing part of the show. And what was interesting was that she was not only popular amongst male audience members, but she was also popular amongst the female crowd as well. But what what were your initial thoughts of Marin and what were your first impressions? She just seemed like the the popular, typical, too cool for school type of type of character. I had no idea where it was going. I mean, obviously, I didn't know the name of the title just off the first episode. I thought it was going to be something more like she was like just a, a very nice individual who like didn't judge anyone and was going to get along with the MC. But once I kind of realized like, her personality, the way she portrayed herself, and really just what she wanted to do kind of without judgment, I started to really like her as a character. And I think that's what's very appealing about Maureen is that she just follows her hobbies. And I think that's something, especially for us, like in anime growing up, it's something we never really were able to portray. We didn't want to be shown as a weeb, right, growing up as a kid. But I think lately, you know, we talked about a lot how anime is really changing and a lot of people, a lot more people are watching it. And Marion just kind of envisioned like, you know, this is like how people should be. They should, if they like something, if they have a hobby, you know, be proud of it and just go ahead and do it, you know? So I liked, I really liked her character in that sense. What's interesting about Madin compared to a lot of other like anime waifus per se is that she's actually really popular amongst girls maybe more so than she is amongst guys. And that's the part that's very interesting about this show because the popularity of My Dress Up Darling isn't just coming from like the male degenerate audience. It's coming actually from like a balanced group of males and females. Why do you think that's even the case? Or like what makes her so attractive, I guess, from a female and male perspective? Okay, at least for myself, I think what I really liked about her is just her willingness to be kind of type A, right? She just puts herself out there, does what she wants to do, but also has, you know, the ability to stand up for herself and kind of say like, no, like that is not who I want to be. Like, I don't appreciate someone judging me for X, Y, Z. And I think that speaks a lot to at least me that, you know, if you can be comfortable with your person and who you are as a person, it goes a long way. And I think that that type of enthusiasm just exudes out of your personality and it's kind of makes people attracted to you um, regardless of what it is. And yeah, her art's amazing. Yeah. That's probably the first thing that drew me in is like, obviously this, this art is amazing. Like she's drawn beautifully, like the character design's great. And she's like, I don't know, like the ideal dream and vision of what you would look for in an anime girl. I, at least that's how I saw it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're that far off. I think a lot of people felt exactly the same way. She's not your typical, I guess, female protagonist in the Japanese anime or show. She's very alpha. Like, she's the one that's kind of leading the story or leading any of her relationships or friendships, which makes her a very unique character from like a Japanese perspective, I think. And that's what's very fresh and new. She also is like a gyaru, which is like a Japanese form of ABG. <laughs> it's not necessarily the same thing, but it's, it basically implies the same thing. Um, heavy makeup, etc. A lot of piercings. So she's she's very much like not your like prototypical Japanese protagonist. And I was actually surprised because of that. Like I thought she might come off too strongly for at least a Japanese audience, but she would be really attractive from like the western audience standpoint but in the end i think she just ended up being way more popular than i ever would have imagined and i'm sure the main takeaway from the show is that she's like up for the best girl of the year award 
Yeah, after watching, I definitely think she's up there. She's just a very mature character. I know it takes takes place in high school, and maybe that's just because she, I think she lives alone, right? Or most of the time she spends alone. So in that sense, like I think there's a lot more maturity there. It doesn't make you feel necessarily like you're watching a typical high school anime. At least that's how I felt. And I kind of liked it. Like there was some aspects of, you know, younger adolescence, but also a lot of aspects of just like, you know, living life. All right. This might be a semi-controversial topic. I don't mean to get flamed or anything. What's your opinion on, I guess, these like anime waifus being in like high school? Is that sus? It makes me feel bad the older I get, but that's where anime takes place most of the time. So I don't know. Like, I think if you don't think about it, it's fine. But then when you read, like, read the character bios and you're like, oh, no, why are they so, why is this character bio say they're so young? What's wrong with me? This one, like you said, I didn't feel like it was in high school. It almost felt like it was in college more so than it was in high school. And I almost wanted it to take place in college more so than high school. <laughs> I don't know what the fine line is there in terms of a lot of these female characters that are in like the best girl or anime waifu conversation are those that are in high school so even like komi can't communicate takes place in high school uh shikimori is not just a cutie takes place in high school my dress up darling is high school obviously and there's very rare instances where all these stories kind of take place in college or post-college i think there's a few like golden time i think takes place outside of high school so in that sense it's a bit more I guess more appropriate in terms of the age, but never know how to look at shows like this when uh, you look back and realize that they're in their teens. Yeah, I try not to think about it. I'm just just tell myself it's. Yeah, okay. I'll, just, I'll just look past it's it okay. for the time being. <laughs> yeah, if you if you think about it too much, you start you start second guessing your choices out there. But yeah, I do have to say, Maureen is a very likable character in all sorts of ways. A lot of, uh, yeah, assets. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess going from modding and then kind of moving over to the other characters, what are your, what are your thoughts on Gojo as a character? And we're not talk about, talking about Satoru Gojo from uh, JJK, but Wakana Gojo <laughs> from My Dress Up Darling. Do you like kind of the dynamic between the two? And do you like, like the relationship that was shown and portrayed throughout the story? Yeah, you know... Gojo had like a bunch of up and downs for me. Um, I thought as a character, he, you know, was very timid, obviously. He didn't have many friends. He was just kind of too engrossed with his hobbies growing up, kind of painting the dolls with his grandpa and just kind of learning that trade. So in that sense, like it was really interesting to see his character change after meeting Marin. And that was really nice to just see his confidence kind of change and, you know, see that maturity kind of that's kind of like that maturity change that I guess makes sense for for high school I I guess in that sense it makes sense but he's a really likable guy like at the very core he's a good person and I think one thing I really liked about him is I hate the main characters who are just sob stories who just like can't get out of it like re-zero like (laughs) just just really bothers (laughs) me when it's just sob stories and of course, I'm not speaking down on people on like one or the other, but I just liked his character development and I thought it was done really well. And it was kind of nice to see how Marin was able to bring that out of him, just kind of like his real personality. I liked it in that sense. I wish I think of one thing that was I wish I wish his personality was a bit stronger. Obviously, he's overshadowed by Marin a lot of the time just because of her type A aggressive personality. But I think his character is really interesting in itself. And, you know, I'd love to see a sequel like five, ten years down the line, you know, what happens, what happens to them, like, as they get older, like, maybe if they went different ways, or if they're still friends, so on, so on. Yeah, I think if his personality was way stronger, they might have clashed, like, from just like a realistic understanding standpoint, I'm sure you have, you have friends or people, you know, that are very alpha and then the one like another alpha person like kind of enters a room they kind of clash with one another in a sense so i feel like they had to kind of tone him back in order to let Tamadin be highlighted a, li- a bit more i actually enjoyed kind of their their relationship dynamic because the part that's a bit realistic is like gojo kind of thinking to himself like oh yeah i can't 
get Marin because Marin's like the top of the totem pole. Like she's the S tier anime waifu that everyone kind of dreams of, and he kind of takes a step back, thinking that like she's unattainable. But that kind of dynamic where like she likes him, it's obviously evident to the the viewers, but it's not evident to him, and then he's like kind of like trying to hold himself back in a sense is like very interesting to watch. So I thought their relationship was actually good and well portrayed in the story and kind of injected some form of realism to it. Yeah, I think because of the I don't know, very clear differential between Marin and Wakana, it made it have a more of a comedic aspect. And actually that's something that I think really Dress Up Darling did really well was the comedy that was included in it. Um, there's a lot of moments where it's just a funny show, like just the way the interactions go about, like the the uh, kind of situations they run into. It's just really funny. And I think that's what kind of puts this in a next category is that it's able to kind of transition between comedy, like a little bit of drama, slice of life, character development. And overall, it's just really fun to watch. Yeah, that's what I feel too. I think in the end, it's it's just an entertaining show, right? You don't want to take this show all that seriously in a sense because it is a bit out there. It is extreme, even from like an anime standpoint. But in the end, like if you're just watching it on a week-to-week basis, I think there's a lot of things that anime fans can like. And that's not just like, like I said, it's not just for the male audience. I do think there's a sense of popularity amongst the female audience as well, considering how strong Martin is as a character and then how well she's portrayed as like a female lead one thing i was actually curious about was you don't watch shows that are typically like this what's your i guess takeaway from it in that are you gonna watch more shows that are kind of like this i don't know how else to say it other than saying like it's a degen show in a sense yeah are, are you gonna continue watching shows like this or is, is this like a one and done thing I don't know if it's a D-Gen show. It's, I mean, it could be seen that way on the outside, but I think if you watch the whole thing, you'll be like, eh, it's not, not too bad. It's just got a lot of fan service. But I think that's kind of what makes the entire show entertaining because it is cosplay related, right? And who knows what some of those people at cosplay are actually aiming for. That is <laughs> very true. But I, I know a lot of people enjoy cosplaying for kind of the artistic side of things. Yeah, yeah. I really liked it. I think if I was watching this on a week-to-week basis, I would have had a harder time watching it and, you know, staying invested in the story. But binging it, like, the way I did, I really enjoyed it. And maybe I just like binging anime for that specific reason, that it's easier for me to kind of, kind of, like, just see the whole story and development at once versus normally with Slice of Life. The problem that I have watching on a week-to-week basis is more that the stories don't necessarily blend. It's right. Every episode is almost like a different day, different situation. They don't necessarily blend in terms of carrying over exactly where the previous episode left off. I think there's like two types of shows in this regard. So this is one of those instances where I do think binging it is a little bit better because there's a like a romance dynamic slash entertainment dynamic that's just carries over from episode to episode. But something like Aquatope that we watched last year, I'm actually glad we watched on a week-to-week basis because I think if I binged Aquatope, I would not like it because it was just too boring in that sense. There's not much of a plot, but it just portrays people's lives on a daily basis, which I liked watching on a week-to-week basis because you kind of grew with the characters each week as you're watching the series. And I think it just depends on, on the type of show because I, I do think Aquatope was a lot stronger watching it week to week, but I don't recommend it to anyone that would binge it now. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that exact point. Um, Aquatope was more of like a nice week to week kind of chill, let your mind go, relax, end of the night type of show. This one is a little, it's got like more ups and downs. It's it's definitely more entertaining than Aquatope. And, you know, I think it's hard to really compare these. They're very different. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. In the end, though, I think with My Dress Up Darling, it does have a score of 8.4, basically, on Mal. What would you give it out of 5? Okay, well, you know, I was thinking about this, and, you know, I think if I just step through everything, the artwork is phenomenal. Like, 
regardless of the fan service or not, the art design, the character design, it's done really well. And I'm guessing it took a lot of work, especially to have to involve like just Marin's normal clothes and change them into, you know, the cosplay she's doing. I appreciate how much art and effort was put into the animation for that. Right. And so I think in that sense, the artwork is phenomenal. And I think it should be very highly rated on an artwork standpoint. In terms of the music, I honestly, when I first watched the first episode, I didn't really like the opening and the ending song. By the end of it, I was like, oh, I like it. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if I'd add it to like my playlist per se. But it was, it just worked with the show. Okay. So in that sense, I think they did a really good job with, with the opening, the ending, the, the music. I don't really remember the score off the top of my head. The plot for a 12, ap- when I think about it in like 12 episodes, right? Like they only had 12 episodes and I don't think they really like fell short on any specific beginning, middle or the end. I think it was done very well i think the beginning was if anything was a little slow but that's normally how these like slice of life type sort of start so i kind of expected that and then once it started going i just found it entertaining and i think doing this in 12 episodes was much smarter than if it was a 24 episode run i don't know if it would have lost some traction or steam after 24 episodes so in that sense i i thought that Animation Studio Cloverworks did a good job, at least in choosing 12 episodes for this, animating it, doing the sound. The plot, yeah, it's cosplay. The plot could be, you know, I don't know how you'd make it better, but I wouldn't say it's like the best plot I've ever, I've ever read, right? But overall, it's it shocked me. I don't know how else to put it. Like, the show shocked me. I would never have guessed, like, in a million years that this show would have made me, I don't know, as entertained as it did. I think it's a solid four. At the end of the day, that's that's I think a pretty reasonable score. I mean, considering it's an eight point four right on Mal, that's pretty high. It's ranked one seventy in all of anime, which is a lot. So, yeah, I think a four is pretty reasonable. I I don't know if this is a hot take, but I don't like the opening and ending of My Dress Up Darling. I don't think it's that great, but I do think it does suit the show. I. Like like you said, I wouldn't put it in like my playlist. I wouldn't listen to it again. But I d- it does set a a tone for the show that might be good and that people will like. I think Cloverworks, like I said, um, in a lot of my I guess past episodes, Cloverworks is doing a really good job of animation with Slice of Life as well. We're kind of seeing it now with Spy Family. Obviously, they've just been upping their game. And my dress up darling was basically like a clear depiction of why or how Slice of Life could be portrayed in a more advanced format. Just aesthetically pleasing, very, very well animated. The character design's like fantastic, obviously, and all that. So I, I think I agree with you. I think in the end, it is a four. Um, I'm somewhere probably in between like a 3.5 and a four. I don't know if it's all the way up at a four, but it's it's somewhere around that area. So I can get behind that number. Yeah, like I don't think it's a three. I know there's a lot of people who... I mean, they make valid points, right? Like, the plot isn't, like, genius plot, right? It's Yeah, but... It's basically, like... But it's decent. It's not... I think I've seen war, many worse plots. The characters... I don't know. You have to take it for what it is, and I think they suit the show. Um, of course, this entire show is waifu bait. It's degen weeb bait. But I like it. It's, like... Yeah. Because, I mean, like, how much plot can you really put into, like, a slice of life, right? We've seen good ones in the past, obviously. For example, something like uh, Hanasaki Iroha is something I really like. Nagi is really, really good. I don't even know if Nagi is like considered a slice of life, but it does have like slice of life vibes. But there is like a plot that kind of exists at the core of it of the story. But with something like this, there isn't so much plot you could inject it with. Like it's the appeal of the story is clearly not the plot, and they're clearly not trying to like make the most complex story of all time. The appeal of the story in the end is just characters and they execute the characters well and the character dynamics. So they should be rewarded for that at the at the very least, in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, those are some of the positives of the show. Well, maybe let's get into some of the negatives, right? I, I think there's a lot of people out there who, like you said, it's kind of pretty skewed, I think, on the on this scale. Like there's people who said this show's great, like this is amazing. 
And there are people who said, you know, the show is freaking terrible. Like, I can't watch this. Don't like there's probably people who can't watch it with their friends. Like, I definitely think you cannot watch this one with other people. It just <laughs> it kind of kind of strange. Like, I feel like it'd be one of those like cringe moments where you would you would like, oh, do I watch the screen or do I like look at my phone? Or do I like <laughs> look at what my friend over there is looking at? <laughs> because a lot of the fan service to some people might be a complete turnoff for this show. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I could see that. I don't know. What do you think about it? Was it too much? Do you think like they could have dialed it back down a bit, been more like you know less, less on the fan service waifu type style, and and done a little bit more on like the plot? Or do you kind of like you like it for what it is? Like I think this kind of goes back to my last comment, but I think the main appeal of my dress up darling is not the plot. It's like clearly the characters. So. If that's the case, you have to showcase your characters to the best of their ability or to the best of your ability. And I think that's what the fan service is, right? Like, Maudin is clearly the best character and might be the best female character that we see in 2022. And if that's the case, like, as might as well just show her off as much as possible. And even the side characters aren't bad, right? Like, they're pretty solid in terms of, like, the purpose of, of this show. So... In that sense, like, there is no plot for them to showcase. Like, what are they going to do? Talk about cosplaying in, in more depth? I think, I guess you you could do that. But then I don't think the show would be as appealing or even remotely close to being a, as popular as it was if the main focus of the show was literally just about cosplaying in the end. And I, I don't mean to mean that from, like, uh, throwing shade at cosplaying. I think it's just with anything in any regard right so like with sites of life the biggest problem is if you focus on the plot you kind of lose your your audience because a lot of your audience gets bored because it's just showcasing the day-to-day or the day-to-day problems that the characters are faced with there's certain shows like march comes in like a lion that's very deep with a very dark meaning or message or undertone but other shows like aquatope like they try to focus on the whole like aquarium dynamic but it gets boring by the end of it because you can only do so much with that you can't do that for like 25 episodes straight and expect your audience to be interested in all the different i guess aspects of the aquarium <laughs> so i think what what they did was they showcased their strongest assets as as possible as much as possible and i don't really think that's really an issue if people don't like it right like you don't have to watch the show like just drop the show and watch something else that you'll like instead and this isn't going to be like everyone's cup of tea because it's just so extreme in the in the fan service regard. So if that's the case, like just move on to whatever show you want to watch. That's not this, right? A lot of people are, I think, you know, they choose anime based off tags. And I don't know, they say it's terrible because it's not great at all in terms of romance. But honestly, romance isn't a really good tag for this show. Yeah, I mean, it's there, right? It's kind of exists, but it's not the focal point of the show. And I don't, I don't think, yeah, it's not like a Toradora. It's not like a clan ad where romance is very much the focal point of the show. But in the end, there is a budding relationship that's highlighted throughout the story. So there is romance. It's just not as people expected it to be, I guess. Right. Do Do you think that it's a turnoff for a lot of people because of the types of cosplay that were done. Basically, like, I think the first cosplay was like, there was like a sex game character or something like that. Uh, I, I think that was kind of strange at first, but I don't know. After a while, it's like, eh, I get it. It, it. it jives with, I guess, this type of person, a character personality they're trying to portray here. And like, it, it, it really exaggerates the gap between Marin and Wakana. I think that just sets the tone for the story, right? Like throughout the story, that's I don't know, the the fan service is a clear focal point of the story. So like that kind of just sets the tone so for the story. I don't necessarily think like I think it just goes back to kind of my, my comment. Like if that's not your cup of tea, like just don't watch it. Like like from that episode you you can already know what the show's gonna gonna be about for the next 10 episodes or so after that so if that at that point like you don't like it just drop the show and then like move on to the next thing because in the end like the thing with my dress up darling is that it's so centered on the fan service that 
that's like the main appeal of it right so if you if you're not interested in the main appeal of the show like for example like if you don't like the plot of aot then why would you continue watching aot so it's like the same same thing to me like you don't have to watch it yeah i guess, I guess that's true right like if you i think the problem is i don't know if there's a really good way to let viewers know what type of show this is before you actually watch a few episodes of it and for how much hype it had i could see people be disappointed in what they got out of the show um because you've talked about it because we've talked about it before i already knew going in you know what kind of show this was and it changed my expectation for it now if this was just something like oh this is one of the best slice of life romance shows that have come out in the recent years and then I went into it thinking like, okay, what type of, what am I going to get out of that? Then I would have maybe had a much more sour look on it. But I think for you and me, it's just understanding the type of show it is and then giving a review based off of, uh, off of that background knowledge. I don't really know how to put it. Yeah. Because, you know, surprisingly, this thing has like really high ratings, but it's so skewed, I think. I don't know if I've seen a show recently as skewed um, in terms of the ratings as Dress Up Darling. It's either like a 2 or a 3 or a 9 or a 10. I I see very few like 6s. Like yeah, solid, me- mediocre, average show. It's, it's either like really didn't like it. Probably because it doesn't have like the action, plot development, romance or or development that you would expect in any one specific category. It's just this weird blend of like comedic, etchy fan servicey art <laughs> yeah but like the show doesn't like beat around the bush they introduced that concept really early like i think episode one or episode two they already had a lot of fan service like straight to your face like yeah from that yeah. get-go like it already set the tone like this show is gonna be about this or like this show is very much centered on this i think like if you continue to watch it past that and you're like oh yeah it's just it's just about this like you should have kind of known from like the first two or three episodes after you watched it um especially like if you watch the first two episodes the focal point of the story is like the fan service in the first two episodes it's going to be the focal point of the story for the 12 episodes that air right so at the same time like it's not like they're hiding it and it's not like the viewers are hiding the fact that the show's centered around that so if you kind of do like even a little bit of research or listen to people talk about the show, like you should know that it's not a slice of life romance, like pure show. It's not one of those types Um, just from like a little bit of research. So if you just go on Mal, you see it's 8.4 and you watch it and you're like, Oh wow. uh, This isn't what I expected after the first episode, then you should probably just stop. Right. If you don't like it. But I think where people kind of get caught up is it, it is like what you said. It, the genre tags that that it has on Mal. Yeah, and and I would think a lot of these like more negative reviews are people who just you know didn't expect what they were gonna watch. I mean, it, they thought like Cloverworks has put out some very good slice of life, right? And you know, if you're expecting like typical Cloverwork vibes, like a Bunny Girl or you know maybe not Promise Neverland too, but you know something along those lines, like. You know, you might not get it, right? You might not get that Cloverworks type of. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like Hori Mia is Cloverworks feel. Hori Mia is more so like I think the epitome of like Cloverworks because it is a more romance centered show. So if if someone wanted what they saw in Hori Mia in My Dress Up Darling, that I could see like oh the the letdown there. But at the same time, like not any two show is going to be identical in the end. The Cloverworks has done other shows where like fan service is pretty heavy like Saikano is like a harm harm show and they've adapted that at least the movie i think but even bunny girl senpai i think is a pretty heavy fan service show and to some degree like it's a bit deeper and there is a bit more romance centered around the, the story but there is a a good amount of fan service at the, in the show so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've talked about Cloverworks' fan service quite a bit. I think, especially in Darling and the Franks, right? Yeah. It's like, does fan service ruin those types of action shows? Probably more so than than this show. I would think like Darling and the Franks didn't need as much fan service as it did. Um, in this case, right, fan service is part of the show, so you kind of have to kind of have to take it for what it is. And yeah, maybe the descriptions aren't great. 
but I'm sure a lot of negative reviews, like if you didn't like it, if you really hated the first two episodes and you wrote a negative review, you probably just didn't finish the show because it just wasn't your cup of tea. Doesn't mean it's a terrible show, you know, just not your cup of tea, which is a, it's just understandable. I mean, this show is definitely out of any show I've seen, not for everyone, like clearly not for everyone. Yeah, there are definitely people who just are not going to jive with this show at all. Like they're going to hate the weak MC. They're going to hate, you know, the fan service. They're going to hate the plot, the characters. No, there's not really drama in the sense that there's no like climax or something that needs to be solved. And for that reason, I think people could say like the plot sucks. But well, the way I saw it was the show is just comedic, entertaining. Art is really good. The characters are likable to me, at least. And for that reason, I liked it. The one, the two characters I really didn't like were the, uh, the sisters. So I was like, I don't think really, they really needed to be in this show. That's kind of random. But yeah, 8.4, Mal, pretty high. A lot higher than I would have probably expected it to be. As on a Mal score, I think it, I thought it would be a little bit lower considering you know the type of show it was. So it's pretty surprising to see it uh, kind of have that habit. Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't expect it originally. Because um, coming to Winter 2022, it was like clearly that the top two anime were going to be Attack on Titan and Demon Slayer, just based on popularity and what people were looking for. But I think my dress-up darling kind of came from left field in that sense and took the community by storm because it just punched itself into that like top two category. And it made it a top three category, which was pretty impressive because there wasn't another show. And we talked about Ranking of Kings. We talked about Vanitas. We talked about 86 ending in 2022 as well. None of those shows like ever, I think, reached the popularity that the other two, the the two big shonen did. But My Dress Up Darling somehow was able to put itself in that conversation, which was pretty impressive. We haven't really seen that from like a slice of life or a romance show in a really long time, actually. Yeah, I don't know the budget for this show, but like, you know, the voice actors, I don't think they're too well known. I think they're more, you know, either starting off or just haven't had many prominent roles in the past. And considering that, that was pretty good. Yeah, like I think the main girl that voiced uh, Maureen, uh, her name is, I think, Hina Suguta, but she has literally four roles that she's done in the past, including Maureen. So like... She's very fresh, right? But I think that stuff like that is what makes it impressive on Cloverworks' part. Like, to be able to take a gamble like that or to commit to someone that doesn't have past experience was something I think they needed to do in a sense or, like, the anime studios need to do a bit better. You can't just get Kanahanazawa and put her in every single role and expect it to blow up. Cloverworks was able to find, like, a hidden gem in this and then find the perfect person that fit Marin, and it worked out really well. Yeah, so I think you know that's a great point. Like taking that type of I don't know if, I don't want to, I don't know if it's a gamble, but she really fit the role really well and voice acted Marion almost to the T. Like it, she made the character who she is. And I think without that voice acting, you know, this show could have easily been like a a two out of five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like without the proper voice acting, especially when your your show is so centered around the characters themselves. It could really, you know, fall through, right? You you can get a flat character, you can get an uninteresting character, and then you lose the whole appeal of the show. So, I don't know. Like I said, like I don't know if it's a gamble, but they were able to take the risk at the very least, right? Someone who doesn't have the experience or the repertoire of other experienced voice actors, and they just were able to find the right fit for it. And that's, I think, that's what takes skill, and. We're kind of seeing that in terms of Cloverworks' past work and recent works. Like, they have so many good shows coming out recently. All right. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about it. I know this one's one I wanted to watch for a while. I think the next one, outside the ones we've just listed, I'm, I'm starting um, Kaguya. So that one's going to be fun, too. My brother tells me I got to start watching. Finally. He's like, I don't know what you're doing. He's like, you, you got to start. And I was like, all right, right. It's time. I've watched it. I think I've caught up on most of the things I had half completed. So time to start a new show. I think it's interesting. Kaguya is a very interesting show. Spy Family in spring 2022 is still at a 9.08, which is insane. Blows my mind that a anime is able to kind of maintain the nine ranks as each episode comes out. But Kaguya is not that far behind. 
Ultra Romantic Season 3 is at 8.99, so it's very close. Hey, my, bro- my brother's hot take is Kaguya is better than Spy Family. I think so, too. I think Kaguya is the S-tier show of the season, which is mind-blowing for me to think about. It's I don't... I obviously think Spy Family is like an S-tier show based on what I know of, of the story in the manga. But I think Kaguya is in a tier above that, which is... I don't know, S S plus, S plus tier. <laughs> uh the season three is like a masterpiece. It's big hype, big hype. All right, I'm yeah, excited. A... I've got a lot to start then. It's really good. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so I guess for the fans, they could kind of look forward to us watching all these shows. Um so for this month we'll be watching Death Parade, which is which will be a rewatch for me, but we'll be watching Chihaya Furu, which would also be a rewatch for me, but new for Pat. So um, if you guys want to watch along with us, we'll be providing our in-depth reviews at the end of the month for both of these shows. And we'll also be kind of watching the spring 2022 season as it comes out. So we'll probably be talking about that periodically and also other topics that come up as well. But those two will be the main shows of this month. Any closing thoughts, Pat? Nope. Let's get going. Let's get to it. All right. I'm excited. With that, peace out, we woos. All right. See you guys next week. <laughs>